0: Welcome to Markets in Focus, a podcast discussing the latest market developments and insights from Carillon Tower Advisors. I'm your host, Matt Orton, Director of Portfolio Specialists at Carillon. ESG has been growing in popularity in recent years, and asset flows and client interest has certainly grown along with it. And after a turbulent summer of racial justice protests, interest has grown beyond the environmental to the social and governance aspects of the strategy. How are portfolio managers taking advantage of these trends? How are they taking these trends into account when analyzing possible investments? Well, today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Sheila King, Portfolio Manager for TaxAware and ESG Fixed Income Strategies at Eagle Asset Management, and Joy Fakos, Head of Responsible Investing at Carillon Tower Advisors, to break down how they analyze social and governance and environmental concerns where investors might seek future opportunities in the ESG space. So welcome, Joy. Welcome, Sheila. Thanks so much for being here today. Joy, I know you've been involved in socially responsible investing before it really became mainstream in the U.S. It's been extraordinary to see the growth of ESG over the last five years or so, with institutional and retail flows accelerating every single year. Do you want to start by maybe providing our listeners with a quick overview of some of the assets and inflows into the ESG space?
1: I'd be delighted, Matt. Thank you. And thank you so much for hosting this. I think this is a really important topic, uh, particularly now. So for a little bit of context, let's just go back to 1995, for example. US SIF, the Forum for Sustainable and Responsible Investing, has been tracking uh, assets that are invested in either a socially responsible way, responsible way, um, or uh, employ some kind of shareholder advocacy program. So back in 1995, when they did their first report, the assets that fell into this category totaled $639 billion. So let's fast forward to their most recent report that was published in November of 2020, where the assets that were invested professionally in some kind of sustainable and or responsible manner, and in some way incorporated shareholder advocacy, those assets totaled $17 trillion. That's right. That was a T. And we've really seen amazing growth. From the last US SIF report that was published in 2018, that number was $12 trillion. So even in that two-year period, we saw a 42% increase in those assets. So as you noted, Matt, I mean, there really is accelerating interest in this field. And so even looking at what what we've seen in 2020, you know, through the end of the year, well, actually through third quarter, uh, Morningstar came out with a great report that stated that inflows, net inflows uh, into sustainable funds for 2020, totaled $30.7 billion. And so they were averaging about 12 billion inflows, net inflows, each quarter. So we're seeing that trajectory continue. And again, those are just sustainable funds. Those are not total sustainable assets. So it's really pretty amazing.
0: That's Quite significant growth. And I'm just going to ask one follow-up question then. Is is there any themes or or specific areas that might be garnering more interest than, than others?
1: Well, there really is interest across the board. But I have to say that there is greater interest in climate change for example, uh, just because we have been seeing record temperatures uh, over the planet. 2016 was one of the hottest years on record. 2020 pretty much continued that. So I think what we're seeing is a greater focus on climate-related issues. But that's also uh, not to say that social issues are not gaining in importance and interest, particularly after the summer, when we experience pretty significant social unrest around racial issues. So those kinds of things are are really taking greater scrutiny. And the other thing I'd like to you know just highlight during the pandemic, COVID, it's really been important to see how companies are treating their employees, how are they uh, dealing with their customers? How are the health and safety issues being addressed? So I think it's going to be interesting to see how companies are addressing these issues going forward. But they all are really important.
0: Yeah, you know, Joy, you hit on some, some really big themes right there. And arguably, going back to the climate change theme that you mentioned, you know, that's something that we've been seeing some activity from many large public pensions and institutions starting to, to divest from the energy sector overall. You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, I call it black and white approach, or is there any gray that that's in the middle?
1: Wow, yeah, that's, that's a really big, it's a really big question that asset owners in particular are really struggling with. It's the question of, do you divest entirely? Or do you hold on to some of your holdings? So you have an opportunity to engage with corporate management on some of these issues? You know, there's definitely a push to divest of fossil fuel companies, and we've seen fossil fuel free options out there in terms of funds and new funds coming online. You know, so for those investors for whom it's really important to just, you know, get rid of fossil fuels and speed up the transition to a lower carbon economy, I mean, that's definitely an option. On the other side of the spectrum, it really is that opportunity that shareholders have to engage company managements on issues like you know, setting science-based targets. How are they addressing the transition to a lower carbon economy? What is their business plan for uh, potentially dealing with stranded assets down the road uh, where they can't pull out and monetize the assets that they currently are recording you know, with respect to fossil fuel reserves? So, you know, being able to talk to companies and perhaps influence decision making, you know, that has some significant value. So it really is up to the asset owner and the investor to determine which option is most appropriate for them and their goals.
0: And Sheila, I'd love to pull you into this conversation. So we focused a lot on on just the E. How do you look at a lot of these aspects, especially with respect to the S or the G in your potential investments?
2: Well, before I get started on that, I just wanted to add to Joy's point. Literally today, uh, New York City, three of the largest pensions announced that they were going to be divesting fossil fuels from their portfolio. So it's very timely question as well. So certainly the S or social pillar of the ESG pillars rose up at the ranks in 2020 due to the tragic death of George Floyd and other Black Americans. But it also was as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So for me, I think it's very important in how we follow companies. You know, are they making statements against social injustice? And I always say no statement is a statement. Are they also making sure companies are backing their words with actions by maybe donating to the Black communities? So those are really important things. And I've, I've created a spreadsheet of our companies that we follow. And, you know, the way I look at it, it's important to track this, not only that, but How are they handling the the COVID 19 pandemic? As Joy mentioned before, are they keeping their employees safe? Are they providing proper PPE? Um, How are they treating their customers? I mean, I think those are all things that are very important. Are they offering flexible work schedules for employees or work from home? And if not, if they're frontline workers, again, making sure that they are safe. So these are things we think are very important. We're also trying to uh, take a look at this and say, are they really backing up and donating to communities in their, whether it be local food banks, pantries, et cetera. We think that's very important.
0: And how do you go about getting all of that information? It's one thing to engage with corporate management, but, but to really dig in and see if they're actually putting their money where their mouth is. What tools do you use at your disposal to really investigate it and make sure that these companies are doing what they say?
2: Exactly. I think that, you know, if you look at a lot of the company websites, you first thing you can go to is news, uh, press releases. So are they putting press releases out talking about social injustice and how they feel about it, their impact, that they're talking to their employees about it, that they're really, really versed in it. And then you can also track. Usually they will have we are donating money to the black communities and they will have a dollar attached to that. So I'm literally bringing building that into the spreadsheet. So. A lot of times it is, you know, they have corporate responsibility tabs on their websites, news releases you can find, and you know you have to go in a couple of times to check it. But realistically, that's where you can find most of that. Many of these companies also report uh, have have reports based on um, their sustainability investing and how they're doing.
0: Yeah, I think as you you dig in a little bit deeper too. So we've talked a lot about I'd say the, the the S now. If we go to the governance side of the equation, so even going back to the energy topic that we had earlier, so you see a lot of divestment, like you mentioned, Sheila, New York pensions divesting now from energy. But when they reallocate that money, say if you're going into some of these more startup solar companies, anything tied to EV, how do you make sure that you're that that you're properly assessing those governance risks, and how is that? potentially balanced. Maybe I'll throw that over to Joy to, to give some thoughts on.
1: Okay, great. Thank you, Matt. So for the governance side of things, a lot of startups, you know, can be a little bit challenged in the governance side, uh, just because they've been focusing on their product and getting their product out to market or their technology out to market. And so this is where the engagement part is really important, where, you know, a young company might not have, for example, a fully independent board of directors or have diversity on the board of directors or have fleshed out completely their management oversight practices. And so as an investor, you can engage the company and have those conversations, you know, understand where they're going to be going. It's really important to recognize the fact that there is no perfect company. And you know, whether it's a well-established company or startup, it's it's really um, recognizing that there's room to improve for everyone. Uh, So it's having that opportunity on the governance side to have those conversations with management and perhaps members of the board of directors. But what you're looking for and what we would be looking for in companies is that they do have that board independence, that they do have diversity on the board. uh, And that diversity would be uh, gender diversity, racial and ethnic diversity, because it, it can bring very different perspective to decisions that the company might be making down the road. But it's also good to know what the company's roadmap is. So again, there is no perfect company, but you do have a conver- you do have the opportunity to have a conversation with them and to help them move them along. So it's definitely a balancing act. But if you are really looking at uh, a company's potential, I'd say the G is probably the most important thing to take a look at.
0: Well, thanks, Joyce. So, if we if we take now collectively what we've been talking about with the E and the S and the G, uh, I'd love to get Sheila's perspective, especially uh, managing a municipal portfolio where there aren't that many managers who are really active and looking at ESG. How do you look at all of these trends, and how do they impact your decisions for investments within the portfolios?
2: Well, you're, you're right, Matt. Um, there is very little ESG data on the municipal side. I think that's one of the uh, challenges. But, you know, we're really taking an approach in a different aspect. So, as I mentioned, it's qualitative for, versus more qu- quantitative and qualitative for corporations. So, we're really, uh, our analysts are combing over not only the official statements when uh, municipals have a new issue, offerings out, also financial disclosures, muni websites. So, there are specific websites to see and local news articles. And so, we're really digging through those to kind of pull out the information or the data that they are doing something on the ESG front. And what we're doing is building a scoring. So we might have an ESG one, an ESG two, ESG three, one being the best. So those three entities or anything that falls under those three categories can be brought into our portfolios. ESG, uh, if there's a zero or whatever, it literally is not invested. We are not investing in it. So, you know, that's important, but we don't give up on it. I think the thing that for us Sometimes municipalities, they may be smaller ones that don't have the ability to, you know, have one individual person, like a sustainability director, out there putting the data or information out. So we're really trying to do kind of make it a win-win approach. So when we're looking at new issues, let's just say that we are investing for our traditional accounts, but we couldn't find data or, or it wasn't readily available for E, S, and G. We're literally trying to send the municipality a letter saying, hey. We were able to buy some of your bonds for our traditional portfolios. However, uh, we were not able to find data on ESG. Is it available? And if so, could you point us in that direction? And if not, we strongly encourage you to do something on that ESG front because over time, there will be more funds coming into municipalities that are investing or have um, really taken a look at their ESG aspects, and it should really lower their interest costs over time because the more demand that really will create less um, less yield that they would have to pay or less interest costs. So we think that's important. We're really trying to not shame anybody, but to encourage and build from there. We're all in this together.
0: Yeah, I think that idea of encouragement is, is has definitely helped. And I think a, a statement of how much People are looking at at ESG going forward. Is the agenda even for the World Economic Forum? You, know, you look at the agenda, and there's a ton that's focused on on ESG. And maybe, you know, to help wrap up this conversation, Joy, maybe you can talk about: Is there anything that that's a particular interest on that agenda that could have an impact for for the markets? That's that's tangible uh, to to what we do in investing.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. One of the things that's been really interesting to see, and this is being touched on at the virtual Davos, is the idea of the 17 UN sustainable development goals and how our companies uh, and communities addressing those goals. And those are very tangible. They run the gamut of education, eradication of poverty, climate change adaptation water quality, including sanitation, and, uh, you know, sustainable cities. So if you look at the World Economic Forum, one of the tracks, and and I'm sure this is of, of real interest for Sheila and her team, the sustainable cities in particular, how they are dealing with transportation. Uh, another is sustainable industry. What does that look like? And how can uh, industrial economies Transition to lo- lower carbon economies and maintain uh, sustainability goals with respect to um, the environment, as well as their populations. So I think the focus on the 17 sustainable development goals, uh, which were established in 2015 and will run through 2030, uh, I think to have communities, uh, countries, companies, address a lot of these uh, issues in very tangible, real ways uh, will be very exciting and will help determine pretty much the, the international trajectory of development.
2: As, as Joy had mentioned on the Davos um, the World Economic Forum today, I literally was listening in on the building that's net zero cities. So this is from the World Green Bond Council, and one of the things was actually somebody In Singapore, talking about public transportation and their goal to make uh, it more carbon efficient, talking about subway stations having 10 minutes away from 80% of the population, moving into electrification of vehicles by 2040, the entire fleet, making public fleet, 50% of buses electrified by 2030. Uh, So these are things that are very, very important that are already being talked about. And again, Davos, there's a lot of agendas, Joy said, talking about sustainable cities that is really near and dear to my heart. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing and hearing more discussion on that topic.
0: Absolutely. We're, we're seeing it at Davos. Those 2020 Morningstar flow numbers certainly, I think, tell tell the truth and speak volumes for for where this ESG movement is going. And with that joy, Sheila, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been very, very insightful. And until next time, take care, everyone.
1: Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Matt.
0: Thanks for listening to Markets in Focus from Carillon Tower Advisors. Please find additional episodes and market insights at Markets marketsinfocuspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, I'm Matt Orton. Podcasts are for informational purposes only.
3: This channel is not monitored by Carillon Tower Advisors. Please visit MarketsinfocusPodcast.com for additional disclosure. ESG refers to environmental, social, and governance factors used in measuring the sustainability and societal impact of an investment in a company or business. An ESG investment strategy will include only holdings deemed consistent with the applicable ESG guidelines. As a result, the universe of investments available to the strategy will be more limited than strategies not applying such guidelines, which may cause it to perform differently than similar portfolios that do not have such a policy. Electric vehicles, EVs, are plug-in electric vehicles that derive all or part of their power from electricity supplied by the electric grid. This material is a general communication being provided for information purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from Carillon Tower Advisors or any of its affiliates to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples used are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and you should not rely on it in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make an independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, tax, credit, and accounting implications and make their own determinations together with their own professionals in those fields. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yield are not reliable indicators of current and future results. Past performance does not guarantee or indicate future results. There is no guarantee that these investment strategies will work under all market conditions, and each investor should evaluate their ability to invest for the long term, especially during periods of downturn in the market. Investing involves risk and may incur a profit or loss. Investment returns and principal value will fluctuate so that an investor's portfolio, when redeemed, may be worth more or less than their original cost. Diversification does not ensure a profit or guarantee against loss.